to another Little Insights podcast. Uh, great to hear from our, our last guest, Howard, uh, some of his own Little Insights into what it's like to be ahead uh, and, and moving on from that, and especially some of his thoughts around uh, CPD, Twilight. Quick fire question to you two, CPD or Twilight? I'm going to say CPD. As in an insight, I should have said inset or Twilight, maybe, so you mean like the whole Oh, of course, yeah, Twilight. well, an inset, I think. Yeah. I think staff are tired when it comes to Twilight. I like the idea of Twilights and drip feeding that kind of information through the year um, but it is really nice getting together and knowing you've got a day of CPD ahead of you what about you Ed? see I think I'm kind of the opposite I think personally I get quite tired during an inset day it kind of like information overload so I personally prefer it to be kind of spread out through the year and being honest I prefer breaking up earlier yeah. because of the twilight yeah Sometimes staff hear that word inset that they automatically disconnect it from actually doing a day's work. Yeah, I think it's, it's pros and cons for yeah. both. But I'm thinking maybe last week in November, finding it's a Monday morning, you're tired, knowing you've got a two-hour twilight at the end of that day, can be pretty tough. Yeah. Setting your levels, setting your levels. Yeah. Well, okay, so uh, this week's fact is going to be from Ross, so... Over to you, buddy. Okay, so uh, yeah, this week's fact is a an in-depth review done by Justin Dillon from King's College. It was in 2008, and he found that uh, practical work in science provides children with no learning at all. And what he meant by that was, um, looking into that study, was that school labs are set up in a way which allow students and pupils to follow a recipe-style list and... Through that, they use no critical thought. It is literally just an automated process. And I imagine, thinking about that, it'd be like, you know, five grams of this, add this, and it's just a tick box mm. kind of exercise. And yeah, and he, he's saying from the study that he's conducted that there was uh, no learning at all. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think there has to be a starting point, doesn't there? You can't just jump straight into critical thinking, can you? Or am I being... Like you, maybe you need to start out in that kind of almost recipe style, kind of to learn that kind of foundational kind of skill knowledge. I don't know. I don't know if that. I suppose if you, I suppose if you relate it to sort of like a real life experience, like if I buy an IKEA flat piece of furniture or something, and you have, you have to literally follow those step by step guides. You know, if 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 you were to give me the task of to build a cabinet without that, then I'd probably be a bit lost. If I did that step by step. And then was to free like you know, do a do a build a cabinet situation. After that, I'd probably have a better insight having done the step by step process. But I guess I guess where the, the study's shown is that the step by step almost takes any kind of thought other than just follow this to the letter or follow this to the. To yeah, the... I had two thoughts when I was thinking about about this fact. Was one, it's a two thousand eight study, and I imagine we've definitely gone through in, in terms of my teaching time two de- big curriculum over you know overhauls and changes and yeah. therefore does that actually make that study relevant any longer 
And number two, is it is it that kind of like that health and safety aspect, which is kind of taking over? Yeah. Um, you know, actually, it'd be great to hear from a scientist at this point because I'm sure they probably dispute that fact. But it is is it this health and safety mechanisms where like, we've really got to be careful about this experiment, and therefore it takes away that yeah. opportunity for critical thought. Yeah, I suppose you can't. Ex- you can't experiment too far, literally in an experiment with you know magnesium or something, and start throwing in five hundred grams as opposed to five grams, and it starts a the cost and b it explodes and blows up in your face. Yeah. So it kind of takes away the experimental nature of the experiment, and does it actually become? Because I know when they do their studies, when it comes to like GCSE and things and A levels, they have certain experiments that they must cover, yeah. and therefore is it just the case of? We're doing this because it's part of the yeah. curriculum. Interesting as well, because when you, when you talk about the learning process, in a way you're almost learning to, because science is so methodical, you do need that kind of, you, you almost need that sort of recipe to know that actually just by moving this or changing that or, or whatever it is. And yeah, interesting. I'm not a scientist, but I don't know if I agree with it necessarily. I feel like I'd be interested to see what almost year groups he did it with or like key stage he did it with because... As you're saying, Ben, I think I think there's an element of that needs to happen as well in terms of even if it's a simplistic experiment, that kind of step by step. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if I agree. I was thinking, it could, I mean, it doesn't necessarily just sit with science. Does that now move into your some of your technology lessons, a food tech lesson, where you are following a literal recipe? Yeah. How much thought process goes into that? Yeah. I think I mean, it's saying from food tech lessons I've watched. There's certainly a a degree of critical thought about actually evaluating and kind of giving you some self kind of feedback in the process that you've gone through. Yeah. What do you do to need to make it more healthy? What do you need to do to reduce? You know, all these sort of things. I guess it comes down to how it's planned, isn't it? You can easily plan in critical thinking. Um, and I guess the science, well, from my days when I did science experiments, there was always a, an evaluation part of the process, wasn't there? And I guess that's an element there where mm. you are doing critical thinking. I think this is probably our first fact that we're all disputing and don't yeah. agree with. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think from, from science perspective, I think I, I think the, the the value is also the physical act of seeing these things in in the process as well. So in, when you think about learning, maybe it's not necessarily the highest level of learning, but it's the engagement factor of you know seeing an explosion. I know it's a bit cliche, but seeing the puff of smoke or whatever it might be, actually that kind of maybe is the hook that then they they build the learning on from it. So. Well, if I yeah, if I look back to my science lessons, it is the experiments you remember. Yeah. I remember yeah. the the screaming jelly uh, baby in the oh, test yeah, tube yeah. being set on fire. You mem- everyone remembers the magnesium experiment. Yeah. I remember a teacher dropping the copper coins and them coming out of silver. Is that zinc as well? Does it zinc? Yeah, treasure how good I only remember the magnesium experiment. Yeah, that is it's, you know it's those. Kind droplets of, of ink on the colour of like that. The, did you ever do that one? No, no? didn't no. do that. No, but you're an artist, so you're yeah. going to remember that. Yeah. But I think you know we talked about peaks and troughs. Yeah. And actually, yeah, that's a very the experiments point. build those peaks and build those memories. Oh. Almost like these podcasts are planned, but they're not actually. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so well, it'd be great to hear someone else's thoughts on this. Maybe a scientist, if they'd like yeah. to get in touch. And so do they agree? Uh, practical work in science provides children with no learning at all. Um, it's, a, it's a no from me. What do you think, Ben? I think it's a yes from me. Adam? I'd, I'd have to say a no. 
Okay, so this is the part of the show where we introduce our guest. I'm joined today by Josh. Say hi. Hi there. Um, Okay, so we've got our quick fire rounds today. We've changed up a little bit because you are a PE teacher. Um, So it's just the first answer that comes to your mind. So um, a year seven or a year 11? Seven. Okay. Uh, Football or rugby? To teach or to play? It's going to be both. So to teach? Rugby. To play? Football. Okay. You've been given cover period five on a Friday. What's your initial reaction? No drama. No drama, okay. Shorts or trousers? Shorts. Even in the winter? Always. And uh, final question, if your classroom was on fire, what two items would you save? Hmm. My bibs and my cones. <laughs> Good answers and obviously very much sport related. Okay, so um, invite you onto the show. So you've joined a new school um, over the kind of Easter period and obviously that's during... COVID-19 lockdown so that's a very different experience can you tell us about that? Yeah um, so my initial plan was to as any head of department coming into a a new school you you really want to get a feel for not just the the quality of teaching but the the personalities of the the people that you're going to be managing but also those interactions with the children so that wasn't completely possible right at the, the very start and so what I, what I had to do was against what I'd originally initially planned. And so actually starting from a, a fresh where I couldn't go into lessons. So actually stripping it right back and having a look at the building blocks, which underpinned quality lessons was going into the, the curriculum and scheme of work. So in a way, um, not ideal to start with, but actually what we've now formulated is a very strong base for a curriculum, which we can then teach in a post-COVID world, which wasn't initially there. Um, the, the strangest thing, I think, was the initial meeting with the department, so that initial Zoom, uh, where I'm trying to portray myself in, 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 the, in the correct manner, but ultimately sometimes with Zoom there are technical difficulties, someone's microphone isn't off, so trying to you know, make sure it's all clear and running in that way. Um, building relationships with the staff that, I'm, that I'll be working with, so I, I tried before that Zoom to, to have a phone call with them all beforehand as an informal conversation so they could find out about me and I could find out about them because obviously as a, as a, as a department within a school, I think the stronger the team ethos, the, the better results for the children that we're going to be able to achieve. So um, it, 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 was, it, it was certainly challenging, but I'd, I'd like to think that as, as, a, as a group of staff here, we've, we've managed and we've maintained to to get through in a, a positive way. That's good. So it's, it's, it's afforded that opportunity for you to kind of strip back yeah. and really kind of go again. I wouldn't have had a chance to do that. Yeah. Had we have, yeah, if all school was in, I'll be obviously within lessons, but not necessarily having the time to step back and really look at the building blocks that underpin the quality of the lessons. And like most people, are you fed up with Zoom now? Uh, I'm completely done with Zoom. Completely done with Zoom. What, what advice would you have for other teachers who are probably in the same position as you or even come September, are going into new schools, but yet still haven't had that opportunity to get in and to know the staff and the pupils? Yeah, I, I think that as much as possible, the engagement with the people that you're working with, it doesn't have to be through Zoom uh, and it doesn't have to be through staff. It doesn't have to be staff. But the more that you engage with the, the, the people that you are going to be either teaching, so the students, via the platforms of Show My Homework, 
um, firstly, it put you in a, a better place for when it comes when you come to September when you are to stand in front of them, because mm. those children will know the teacher because you're signing off, you know, your feedback on their marking from Mr. French. That those those pupils will know who's been marking their work and they'll 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 have an impression of you. And the more you interact, the more you engage. I just think you're making things better and easier when you do come to be at the front of the classroom with them. Yeah, no, agree. And that's probably a message for anybody even in a non-COVID-19 world is that, you know, that first impressions with the pupils and yeah. the interactions you have. Um, so kind of putting the COVID-19 situation to the side, so how, how did you get into teaching? So within lo- lots, I don't want to stereotype it, but um, the story of most PE teachers are a failed sportsman or a sports person, sorry. Whereas mine wasn't really that way, not because I didn't fail, because of course, of course I did. And everyone who hasn't had the dream of becoming a professional, but the my, dream still lives on yeah. for some people. <laughs> yeah, not you, Ross. <laughs> um, so uh, mine was a, a pure love of being physically active. Um, I've always had this, this this drive to go out and do things, and to the practical nature of myself. I'd much rather be out doing than sat down watching. And Within the, the current environment, I think where to- technology has, has grown, etc. Uh, I remember looking back and, and just thinking that I want to instill the values that, that I have with this love of being active and outside and engaged with the knowledge of the human body, how it works and why and the impact that this can have. Because ultimately you get one body, you get one chance. And to educate these young people about the benefits of being physically active is something that I'm really quite passionate about. Okay, that, that's really, that's really good, kind of that passion shown there. That kind of leads me to my last question in that, you know, you really want to instill that passion and love for being physically active. PE is one of those subjects where you're going to get those pupils who arrive and say, yeah, I don't like PE. How, how do you break down those barriers? So some, sometimes those preconceptions come from a variety of sources. And I, ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to relationships you have with the pupils. That the pupil that says I don't like PE, that could come from anywhere. It could be their parental or guardian's view on their experience of PE, which was one which was negative, where they were out running cross country in November, and it, it wasn't necessarily physical. It wasn't education through physical. It it was just activity. Whereas, I think. The, the relationships that you can build once you can unpick, and this takes time, there is no quick fix to that. The, the pupils that are disengaged with PE, it ultimately comes down to, to, to time and effort and unpicking where their barriers are. Um, it could be, at the prime example, it could, could be the actual, um, the, the, sometimes it's a, 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 an, an image thing for the child and they don't want to be seen to be too sweaty etc and actually if we can unpick that and actually is, is it the fact that you don't want to do this or is it the judgment of others which is going to have an impact and therefore can you then create an environment where actually that child feels safe happy and can then push themselves through being physically active within the lesson to ensure that they they're engaged again um they're I've gone around in circles there, but I don't think there is one specific thing that you can do apart from knowing the children that you teach. And I think really good insight there that that what you've just said can be used across all subjects. You know, you put, yeah. the, the child who says they hate science, they yeah. don't like maths, it's breaking down and actually building that relationship with the pupil. Uh, yeah, and also that level of consistency. Uh, 
I, I try as much as I can to, to, to be as consistent with the students that I teach as possible. And so those expectations, they can't, I can't move them for pupils. You know, the expectation is that you are engaged in learning, that you're, you're, you're taking part. And, and so as long as they, eventually they'll warm to that. But I, I'm fully aware to start with, there will be some battles in relation to well, I, my other teachers have used to do that. And if we've got a department and a group of people that are all very consistent in what we do, the students will understand eventually and will, and will buy in and will we'll see the benefit. They, they need to see the benefit of, of, of what they're doing. And ultimately, if you can make a lesson engaging and fun, that child will want to come in to the lesson and be involved in learning. Good. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And uh, thank you for your time. Hopefully, come September, you can get the, the fruits of your labour. I hope so. And uh, so uh, we wish you the best. Thanks, Ross. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Little Insights today. Uh, thank you to our guest also for the episode. Uh, if you would like to get in touch or get in contact or even get involved and be part of the show, then we'd love to hear from you. Our Twitter handle is at, little, at Insights Little and our Instagram is Insights Little, which is really simple and easy to remember. So get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Have a fantastic day and stay classy. Um, 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 um.